good? Thank you. That might help. Good morning, church. How are you doing today? It looks like people are taking advantage of the holiday weekend, but that's okay. It's okay. I'm glad each one of us are here this morning. God has called us here as his children to commune, to fellowship, and to worship and praise him. I do want to thank all of you. I do want to welcome those who are online as well, for you are a big part of this church, and we value your support, and we just pray that you continue to connect with us. I just want to say thank you to those who take this connection card here and fill it out if possible and drop it in the towers as you leave. It's a way to be able to let us know you're here. Let us know that you are a guest, but also, too, if you have any prayer requests, we value that because prayer is important. We're going through some tough times right now in this world. We're going through some tough times right now as a church, and we got to be able to come together and support each other, but also petition our Father in heaven with these requests that you share with us because it is crucial. Um, I just ask, too, that you take a note of the white insert because today is Picnic in the Park at Leslie Grove. If anybody needs any direction to where that is, just grab anybody in the foyer after church, and we will help you get there to make sure that you can find the location. And uh, I just really believe that today the Lord has great things in store for us. Pastor Sergio is going to be continuing with the sermon series, and uh, we will be blessed by just knowing that we are in God's presence. Talking about prayer, we do have the privilege of prayer, and right now Ruth Harms is going to lead us with corporate prayer. And As many as possible, um, please kneel for prayer. Our Father, how we wish we could be in your physical presence this morning so that we could see you and you could talk to us. It would be so reassuring, and we look forward to that day. Um, but we know you are here. We know angels are here. We know this room is full of the Spirit, and we take comfort in that. It's been a hard week. It's been a hard summer. It's been a hard year. There's wars in the world. In our country, there's wars of words. There are diseases, hurricanes. Where do we go? How do we escape? You're the only one that's worthy of our trust, and we know that you know everything going on, that you know what to do, you know how to advise us. And we know that um, you have an end game, which we look forward to. Right now, we um, know that we can and should go to you because you are sovereign and you are faithful and we can trust you. We also ask that this, this church continue to be a safe place for all of us. We know we don't all agree on everything. But we still love each other and support each other, and we have to hold on to that and, and continue to be a place of support and love and um, Christian fellowship. This morning, we pray for um, those who are sick. We know that Jennifer Faulkner and John Smith have been very sick, and this week we um, 
ask for your continued presence with them, peace, healing, um, most of all that they know that you are there and that you have their best interest in mind and that, you're, that you will be close to their family also. We pray for Pastor Sergio as he speaks this morning. We look forward each week to hearing from each other. Um, it's fine to, and it's good sometimes to just be able to listen online, but there's something about the energy of being together that makes a difference, and we know that that is part of your plan. So we pray that you'll give him not only energy, but that you will give him your spirit, and that the words he speaks will be your words. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to have you all with us here today. Please stand and join us as we as we worship, as we praise, as we worship and praise the God of heaven. Let your heart be troubled. Hold your head up high and fear no evil. Fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. So take courage, hold on, be strong. Remember where our help comes from.
swing wide. All you heavens, let the praise go up as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All the children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. Swing wide, all ye heavens. Let the praise go up as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. Swing wide, all ye heavens, let the praise go up as the walls come down. Our creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All his children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God, his name is Jesus.
guilt is undone, my past is untethered. I leave it behind and run to my Father. There is no disappointment in your eyes. There is no shame.
in church? So there is this um, Scandinavian rodent. It's called a lemming. Anybody ever heard of lemmings before? Every few years, I heard of lemmings commit mass suicide. And for many years, this was very, very, very perplexing to scientists. Like, why? Why on earth are they doing this? Like, why would these little rats be all of a sudden get together and commit suicide? And in actuality, as they have tried to figure this out, scientists have discovered that they do not intentionally commit mass suicide. This is an unintentional result of something else. So when the food supply is sufficient, the lemming lives in an undisturbed life. They're doing great. But when the food supply begins to become really, really short and is low to support the population, they begin to leave their burrows in mass. They just start going. They start just scanning the whole plains of the nation that they're in, the places that they're in. And at first, as they're scanning, they eat everything in sight. And then maybe they will come to a small little stream. And so they traverse the stream. And then uh, they're very good swimmers, not a problem with that. And then they go a little bit further and they come across another body of water. Maybe it's a little bigger, maybe it's more like a, 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 a lake. And, and they go to traverse that. Now some of them die in the lake because they didn't realize how big it was. But they keep going and they keep going. And then they go, and then maybe there's a river. Now the river has got other stuff in it that they didn't realize. And, and, and so as they, many of them get across, but many of them die in the river. And then finally get to the ocean. And they're like, well, it's just another body of water. We can get through this one. We got through the streams. We got through the rivers. We got through the lakes. Why not the ocean? And in fact, some of these guys actually, they've, they've actually uh, watched them actually jump off cliffs. That's why they think it's mass suicide. Jump off cliffs to get into the ocean. And of course, they get into the ocean, they begin to swim, and suddenly they realize this is not a little body of water anymore. And they all drown. I thought about this, and I wonder, as we continue our discussion, how many today are traversing digital rivers and media lakes looking for answers, unaware of the dangerous oceans ahead. And we just get all this information and our thirst for truth. We don't realize that maybe we can get to a point where we actually drown in falsehood. When I was becoming a young Seventh-day Adventist believer, there was a cult uh, called the Jim Jones cult. How many of you remember Jim Jones? And uh, he, he and his group had gone uh, to a place in Ghana, and uh, they, they were doing fine, and they were left alone. Uh, but he got crazier and crazier and demanded more and more. And those of you who would remember about this cult would remember the one main thing about them is that they what? They committed 
mass suicide. And the way they did it was by doing what? Drinking Kool-Aid. In fact, that's where we get the uh, new words of, please don't drink the Kool-Aid, right? Be careful, don't drink the Kool-Aid. I wonder if we should not be vigilant and cautious about drinking the digital Kool-Aid that sometimes is out there. I think the Kool-Aid has changed, if you understand what I'm saying. And I think it's extremely important for us to be aware. It's extremely important for us to be careful because the devil is like a roaring lion waiting to see whom he may devour, right? I'll never forget reading Jesus saying that, that he would be coming soon because uh, even the very elect could be deceived. That was always very um, disheartening to me. But part of the challenge is that we live in a world that has great demand. We live in a world that is constantly becoming more and more demanding uh, Faster pace, I don't know about you, but we just, there's one quality that describes our generation, and that quality is acceleration. Have you noticed that? Everything is going faster and faster and faster. And the more we fill our lives with time-saving devices and strategies, the more rushed we feel. Isn't that true? We have become a quick reflex multitasking, channel-flipping, fast-forwarding species. Some of us can't even watch television anymore unless we can fast-forward the commercials. You know what I'm saying? You know life is too busy when you succumb to utilizing the new drive-through services of Matthew Cornish. Cornish is a mortician in uh, Nassauwak's Virginia, who recently opened his drive-through viewing window. For people who do not have the time or ability to bid farewell inside, Cornish continues by saying that people are too busy these days with work. This is just one way to make it easier for them to say goodbye. Let me just say right now, if you're too busy to say goodbye to a loved one, you are just way too busy. But this is what the world has done to us. Isn't that true? There's a book called Faster by a guy named James Gleek. And he writes, he writes these words. He says, we know something is happening and we're beginning to sense what it is. We're speeding up. Our technology is speeding up. Our arts and entertainment and the pace of invention and change. It's all speeding up. And we care. If we don't understand time, we become its victims. Time-saving devices haven't saved time. They've raised expectations. Isn't that true? What used to be accomplished by, with a trip to the library in hours of research is now done in an hour with an online search. Just Google it. In fact, it's become a verb. Isn't that true? When I was growing up, Google was not a word, a verb. It wasn't even a word. Google? What? It's 
So naturally, we force ourselves to find 10 times more resources than would have satisfied us in the old days. In Japan, he says, there is now a restaurant that charges customers by the minute. Not by the amount of food they consume. It's an all-you-can-eat buffet. But customers try to eat as quickly as possible to save money. Gleek points out that customers stand in line awaiting the opportunity to eat as quickly as possible. We live in an age that is constantly trying to master efficiency. And we don't even realize it. As we pay at the pump, as we use conditioner and shampoo all in one, I don't know about you, but anyone here tired like me of the rapid, hurried, full-throttle lifestyle? Anybody, anybody in on that? Tired of standing in front of the microwave going, come on, hurry up. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about, right? But the Bible predicted this would happen. I'm going to give you a verse that you maybe ne never saw it this way. In fact, we use it often when we do evangelistic series, when we're talking about um, prophecies. But I want you to see it in the light of what we're saying today. It's found in Daniel. Uh, let's put it up there. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. It says, but you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until when? The time of the end. And when is the time of the end? When men will rush here and there. Did you hear, see that word rush? And what? Knowledge will increase. Does that sound like today, by the way? I don't know about you, but I feel rushed all the time. And maybe knowledge is being increased, but not sure wisdom is. It is this relentless pace that I believe that God was trying to protect us from when he introduced the Sabbath. I think that's why he said, and, and it's the only, only uh, commandment that starts off with what? Remember. Because it's so easy to forget. Remember the Sabbath day. Shabbat means to rest. Remember the day of rest. The day where you get to kind of just shut everything off and, and, and just it's just you and me. Keep it holy. Meaning what? Protect it. That's what that means. Protect that day. And it's not the, you know, sometimes we, we make it about the day. It's, it's not the day. It is what we experience in the day. It is the fact that we get to put aside a day, that day, to be with God. And if we didn't have that, I don't know how we'd do it. They've done studies in Japan with a 10-day work week. Didn't work. Suicide went up ridiculously. 
And so what I want to do for the next few minutes is kind of share with you some very practical ways that I believe God has given us that we have forgotten in the modern Christian church. Can I be honest with you? The ancients did this all the time. And we just don't do it as much. We don't do it. You know, our emphasis, and this is an important point that I want to make, our emphasis of salvation by faith sometimes cause us not to want to talk about it because we're afraid that somebody's going to think that when we talk about this, we're saying this is how you get saved. No, this has nothing to do with salvation, what I'm going to say next. Salvation was accomplished when Jesus died on the cross and you accepted that salvation on your behalf. You understand that, right? Please do not send me emails saying, oh no, you know, salvation by works. That's not at all what I'm saying, not even a little bit. But I do believe that there are things that, that God has given us that make it easier for us to open up our hearts to Him. So that we can experience him more fully. And then when we don't do these things, we are cheating ourselves of that experience of his presence in our lives. Are you following what I'm saying? Very, very important to understand. And what I'm talking about, if you haven't figured it out yet, are what we call spiritual practices. The simple wisdom of the ancients has the cure for this fast-paced, full-throttle world. They call them spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices. They realized that informed was not the same thing as being formed or transformed. Too often, we mix the two. It's good to be informed, but it's even more important to be transformed. Would you not agree? And this allows God to transform us. But we just, we just don't do it anymore. Some of you have heard me talk about this before. My favorite drummer of all time, most of you probably have never heard of this guy before, but his name was Bill Bruford. Yeah, that's what I thought. And <laughs> Bill Bruford, this might, be, this might have a little bit more response, played with a band called Yes. Okay, so a couple of you have heard of, yes, yeah, that, that was their name actually, yes. And uh, he was an amazing drummer. I remember listening to him, I went to hear him at a concert, and, and just watched him as he played, just how did he do it? I, I couldn't understand the way he moved the hands and the feet, and how he was able to just use all just uh, the, the timing of it all. He was extremely syncopated and yet on time. I was just shocked. I remember watching and just like, and I wanted to be just like Bill Bruford. And I decided to set my drum set just like Bill Bruford had set up his drum set. I had a gong just like he had a gong. I had little roto-toms just like he had roto-toms. I held my sticks just like he held his sticks. But for some reason, when I played, 
it didn't sound like Bill Bruford. I was good, but nowhere near as good as Bill Bruford. And then I read an article about Bill Bruford, about how he practiced six to eight hours a day, about how he watched and listened to himself play so that he could get better and better, how he studied other percussionists in all the fields, the classical music, the jazz, the rock, and he would just study all these and, and would spend hours just absorbing all this. And I began to realize that I will never play like Bill Bruford when the spotlight is on if I was not willing to do what Bill Bruford did when the spotlight was off. Are you following what I'm saying here? And then it dawned on me that I will never live the life that Jesus lived when the spotlight was on unless I am willing to do what Jesus did when the spotlight was off. And it dawned on me that Jesus participated in these spiritual practices. And he was Jesus. Hello. So we'll start with some easy ones. Now these are not all of the spiritual practices. I want to make sure you understand this. Uh, we're just, we're just going to mention a few of them. Crash course on spiritual practices. Is that okay? Some of them you already do. Some of them you do okay. Some of them you've never done, and I'm going to challenge you to do them. Fair enough? The first one, the easy, we'll start real easy, is prayer. Did you know that prayer was a spiritual practice? Did you know that? Jesus, the Bible says in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, often withdrew to what? Lonely places to do what? To pray. Jesus, why would Jesus have to pray? Why would he have to talk to the Father? And certainly, Jesus' life was nowhere near as busy as ours, right? At least 25 times in the gospel, we read that Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed, Jesus prayed, Jesus prayed. And why is it so hard for us to pray? Why is it so hard for us to stop whatever it is that we're doing, slow down the RPMs of our hearts and minds and say, God, I need to talk to you. And we're not driving, we're not doing something else, we're actually Taking Now, there's nothing wrong with praying while you're driving. In fact, some of you should do that. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, many others are praying while you're driving. But what I am saying is that there are times when we ought to just intentionally say, I am going to stop. 
and I'm going to pray. See, our, our desire to be efficient is to kind of multitask, right? I'll pray while I'm going to sleep. That never works for me, by the way. I mean, it does for about 10 seconds, and then, then I'm asleep. I'll pray while I'm driving. I'll pray. Now, let me tell you, one of the things that I, I started doing a long time ago, because it really, I began to realize this, this was going to really help me, and that is this. I decided to open up my Bible or open up a, a book that I really enjoyed that was spiritual and begin to read maybe the Psalms or, 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 or anything else, anything at all that's spiritual, and begin to read. And then I would stop and say, God, I want this in my life. Lord, I need to make a joyful noise today. Lord, please help me to desire wisdom as you have asked Solomon to desire wisdom. You know, and I've learned that if I pray through my study and my reading, I, I, I can stick with it. Do you know what I'm saying? But to just pray. And then we talked about this last week, but I want to make sure we understand this. When you've stopped praying, don't just close the book and, and just walk away. Say, thanks, God. Okay, goodbye. No. Stop and listen. Don't worry if anybody else thinks you're crazy. Especially if you begin to hear things. But be still and know that he is God. Listen to his voice. There have been times in my life when he has said things to me. Again, not audibly. Please don't call anybody. Take me away. Although, I, not that I think that that would be impossible. Because I know people that have actually heard audible things. But I have known in my heart beyond the shadow of a doubt, this was God. And moved forward. You will hear a voice behind you. Remember that? The second one that I want to concentrate on is fasting. Fasting is, is abstinence from something. Uh, food. Uh, sometimes you need to fast from sugar. Sometimes you need to fast from technology. Have you ever lost your phone? Do you know the feeling you get like, oh my goodness. Oh no, where's my phone? There is something wrong with that, don't you think? Yeah. When, when this little machine controls you that way. Some of us need to fast from television. I've actually have known people, this is going to sound strange to you, coming from a pastor, but I've known people that needed to fast from being too holy. How are we doing, okay? 
Some people just try to come across as too holy. And some of you guys need to just fast that. Too important. Too perfect. You know? Walk out into your house with some underwear sometimes. You know what I mean? Don't worry about it. Just walk around. See what it feels like. Nobody's there. I know people that would never do that because God forbid somebody would knock on the door. And then what are you going to do, you know? You put your pants on. That's what you do. (laughs) You know, please don't take me too seriously here. But what I'm saying here is, you know, sometimes we just need to fast from perfectionism. At the onset of his public ministry, Jesus took 40 days to fast in the wilderness. Isn't that true? 40 days. I'm not asking you to do that. The scripture says that after his trial in that wilderness, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. I want you to know, I've had situations where I've had board meetings where I knew this was going to be a tough situation. Sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so was going to object Deeply, but I knew where God was leading us. And I, I, I know it doesn't look like it, but trust me on this one. There have been times when I fasted for like 48 hours, 72 hours, just water, no food, just depending on God, relying on him, praying, God, please make this, make this situation happen. This is for the best of the church. Uh, I'll never forget there was one situation where, well, I don't want to get into it, but anyway, uh, and I remember going to the board meeting. I was nervous. But as the topic came up and we began to talk about it, everything went so smooth. Everyone agreed. In fact, there was this one person that I knew was going to be very much against that had to go to the bathroom real quick. I didn't because I had fasted, you know, so I was okay. There's a story in the Bible when this young man was just possessed by demons and the disciples were trying to, to heal him. And they couldn't heal him. And Jesus comes and he heals them. And afterwards, the disciples said, okay, what's going on here? It says, and when he had come into his house, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Why couldn't we cast out this demon? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but what? Prayer and fasting. Have you ever had a situation in your life that you just couldn't overcome? A situation in your life that no matter what, you always felt like, boy, this is just, I don't know what's going on, but I just can't. Let me just tell you, try this. Pray and fast. 
Because some of these demons will not leave until you've done some praying and some fasting. Have you ever been plagued by negativity or by, by voices from the past that keep telling you you're not good enough, you're, you're, not, you're always going to be a bad person, you're always going to have these challenges, and, 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 and you just can't get rid of them? Trust me on this one. Pray and fast. Have you ever been plagued by an addiction, a habit that's, that's just kind of eating away at you and, and, and just taking the life out of you? Pray and fast. Fast and pray. I just want you to know, by the way, some of you guys are going, 24 hours without food, are you kidding me? It really is not that difficult. Look, I could tell you, it's not that difficult, okay? You're not going to lose a lot of weight. It's not about that. You're not going to just, you know, wither away. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. But what it does do is it gives you a tremendous amount of clarity and an amazing connection with God. I don't understand the supernatural part of it, but somehow God does things that he would not otherwise be able to do when we pray and fast. Are you with me? The third one that I really want to concentrate on is solitude and silence. Jesus regularly ministered in front of large crowds, but he also made it a habit of getting away from time to time and there was one time when he had, upon hearing about, about the death of his cousin, John the Baptist, he felt this need to go. He says, John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. And then they went and told Jesus. And when Jesus heard what had happened, what? He what? Withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Did you catch that? So he's trying to do what? Be alone. Why would the creator of the universe need to be alone ever? It is actually an amazing spiritual practice to go somewhere in a private, solitary place just alone, and, and it's silent. See, right now, you don't even hear all the sounds that are happening in here. Even just the buzzing of the lights. We are just so used to them. But Jesus needed to go alone somewhere, be silent, but as he did that, guess what happened? It says, hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And then it says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, this is important. So he's trying to have alone time, right? But the crowds are following him. 
The crowds are after him. And after a while, what does he do? He's like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to have to spend some time with the crowd. And so he goes with the crowd and he does his healing. He feeds the 5,000. This is an amazing time. He does, he takes care of the crowd. And when it's all said and done, in the same chapter, look what it says in verse 23. And after he had dismissed them, what? He went up on a mountainside by himself, by himself, to pray. Later that night, he was there what? Alone. Did you catch what happened here? He wanted to go alone. He decided to spend some time. He was trying to practice this wonderful spiritual practice of solitude and silence. He goes, but the crowd is following him. It's like, I can't do it right now. i got to take care of the crowd. That's okay. Sometimes you got to take care of this stuff, right? You take care of this stuff, and when it's done, what do you do? You go back to what you were trying to do. And if it was important for Jesus, how much more important is it for us? Are you following what I'm saying? Finding a place of solitude and silence can be repairing to our souls. Especially amid the hectic demands of life. Now I told you there is a lot of spiritual practices. And I would, I would strongly recommend that you would uh, look through the Bible Study the lives of the disciples, of Paul, of some of the Old Testament characters, and, and see what practices they did. How Daniel prayed every day with his window open. How there was fasting involved. How often they went alone. But there was also, give you some honorable mentions here of some really important uh, practices. One that you're doing right now, worship. When you get up and sing, that is a spiritual practice. Sometimes I will get up in the morning and I will walk somewhere where nobody can hear me and I will sing so God can hear me. Sometimes I will have my headphones on and, and get on YouTube and listen to some of the worship songs and I just sing and I worship. I've had tears running down my eyes in my office. My wife would walk in on me and go like, what's wrong with you? I'm worshiping. Leave me alone. <laughs> Celebration is another one. Celebrate. That's actually a spiritual practice. Look it up. Acts of service. There is no better way of experiencing the Holy Spirit in your life than when you partner with the Holy Spirit. And if you're looking for somewhere where you could serve, come and talk to us. We'd love to get you plugged in. But acts of service, really, really amazing. In fact, those of you who serve, you know what it's like when you're even depleted of energy, but you do something of service, and all of a sudden, you kind of feel like you have all this energy. And it's like, wow, what just happened? Practicing his presence. Actually closing your eyes. And pray to become more and more aware 
of God's presence. Because he is present here right now. Do you believe me? Now I know we can't not see him. And we cannot touch him. And we cannot hear him. But we can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he is present. I've had moments in my life where I've practiced the awareness of his presence and I've been blown away. Blown away. You may remember the story. It was in a book. It was popularized in the movie a few years ago. It was about a a man that was held as one of the most brilliant minds of the 20th century. He was a genius who developed the thesis on the dynamics of the human conflict that would revolutionize economy theory and then would go on eventually to win the Nobel Prize. Before he was out of his 20s, he was a distinguished professor at MIT, believe it or not. But at the height of his career, John Nash, the scientist, suffered a breakdown. There was this one time that he interrupted a lecture to announce that he was on the cover of Life magazine disguised as the Pope. There was another time where he claimed foreign governments were communicating with him through the media. In the movie, A Beautiful Mind, which I would highly recommend, it's an amazing, amazing movie, well done. We see the characters and hear the voices that exist only in his head, unconnected to reality. They played on his darkest fears. When he listened to them, those voices destroyed his relationships, distorted his perceptions. They made him obsessive, irrational. They made him terrified. What makes John Nash's story so remarkable is that he was able to learn over time the art of discernment without medication. He was able to cut through the schizophrenia without medication because the medication would stop him from being the brilliant mind that he was. He learned to test the voices, to find out which ones were false and which ones were true. Are you following what I'm saying here? Nash speaks at one point in the film about how, in a way, his battle is the battle in all of us. I'm not so different from you, he says to his friend at the end of the film. I'm not so different from you, he says. We all hear voices. We just have to decide which ones we are going to listen to. We are bombarded by voices. We are bombarded by media. We are bombarded, bombarded by information over and over again. And I ask God to give me the same power that he gave John Nash. Please help me, Lord. 
to decide what voices I should be listening to and which ones I shouldn't. And guess what? I've learned that if I partake of the spiritual practices, that becomes easier and easier for me. So build your life on his word. Build your life on his example. Build your life on his love. It is the only true, firm foundation. Put your trust in him alone. And he will not forsake you. And you will not be shaken. Amen? Let's sing this wonderful song together.
Father, thank you for giving us this awesome opportunity to worship, to raise our voices in unity, to let you know how wonderful and awesome you are. I pray, Father, that each and every one of us would take your sound advice to spend more time in the Word, more time in prayer, more time with you alone, and less time listening to all these other myriad of voices that are trying to to destroy our fellowship with you, Lord. It is so difficult to know what is true, what is not, and I pray, Father, that you would guide each and every one of us through our spiritual practices, through our time together. And we may know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, what your will is in our lives. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have an awesome Sabbath. We'll see you folks next week. And God bless you.